It's the most wonderful time of year. No, not Christmas. It's the 2023 Grid Talk Driver Grades. Welcome to episode number 360 of Grid Talk. Today we're here to give you our grades for the whole of the 2023 Formula One grid. My name is George Alveson and joining me today we have Grid Talk's man in Japan, Louis Edwards. Hello. Grid Talk co-host, Owen Method. Hello. And the man behind Cricket Chronicle, it's Dev Tiagi. Hey guys, pleasure to be here. Great to have you back, Dev. But before we get into this episode, we must first thank our sponsor for the episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right now from your phone. Head over to the website or use the or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's online, where the game starts. So this isn't a new thing for us. This is a show that we've done for quite a few years. I think we've done it since at least 2020, maybe even 2019, when we first did the show at the start. Um, just like the mid-season grades, which if you didn't catch, you can uh, you can catch it on YouTube and all the socials and everything like that. It's still up on the audio platforms. Uh, we basically give every driver on the grid a grade from A plus down to F. And we've asked a number of the grid talk guests. I think we've got about a dozen or so people, maybe a few more, who have given their take on how these drivers perform. And we're going to go from the worst to first. We're going to go from the lowest grade to the highest and Unsurprisingly, the first driver is Lance Stroll, who is the only driver in this in this uh, 21 list that's got an E grade overall, Louis. Yeah, despite some performances that were pretty good at the start of the year and the end of the year, most of this year it was typical Lance Stroll, where, you know, I don't want to be too unkind to the guy, but if you were to select one driver who wouldn't have come back for the next season, it's probably going to be this guy is the one who's least deserving of his C. It's not been a, a good season for Lance Stroll in 2023. No, it hasn't. I don't think... I mean, as much as I don't like Lance Stroll, I don't think he was deserving to have the worst grade out of everybody on the um, on the grid this season. I definitely think there have been drivers who have had significantly worse seasons than Stroll. So I do think it is a little harsh for him to be put right at the bottom. But hey, it's a consensus. I put him as a C. I certainly wouldn't put him as the same grade as his teammate. But... Yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky one because his stroll season hasn't been good. And as I said on our season review podcast, his best season, his best drives this year came when he still had broken hands and toes. So unless we on a Friday on a Friday start breaking other bones in his body to get him to go faster, it doesn't seem like a a sustainable way to go about things. But it's it's certainly not been a good season for Stroll. He has been completely walked over by his teammate. He has looked second best pretty much in every race, every weekend. Fernando's had the the better of him. And it comes down to the same issues that we have seen time and time again. It is poor qualifying form and general inconsistency. And this has been something that's been plaguing him since he started in Formula 1. He makes it difficult for himself on a Saturday, which means he has to go on weird strategies, has to go long, has to just fight to the death on a Sunday just to get in the points. And for me, the redeeming factor of his season is that he's been able to do that on a few occasions. There's been a few occasions where he started poorly on a Saturday, qualified badly, and then come Sunday, you know, you see him, he's made up six, seven places in the race and he's scrapping for that. 10th, 9th place. He's getting those those sort of lower points and not to mention he has had a few very good performances this season but it's not enough and I think that is the, the, the matter of fact. It's not enough. It's not consistent enough. It's not good enough and while I don't personally think he's had such a terrible season that to be the worst driver, you can definitely understand why people have not been happy and have graded him poorly. Yeah, Stroll's one that's definitely divided opinion amongst our panelists. Uh, he's got everything from a U, which I'm going to just classify as a as an unclassified below 
Um, <laughs> natural left grade. A few people saying F, like uh, Phil, like Gerard, like Aiden. I don't think he's worthy of an F because he's not failed. You know, the only guy that's got an S, I mean, we haven't regraded him because we've we covered all of his races in the mid-season grades, was Nick DeVries, who I think was deserving of an F because he was sacked from the Alphatari. Lance Stroll, as bad as he is, bad as he has been at times, He's not been sacked. We know why he's not been sacked. But at the same time as well, on top of that, mm-hmm. he has had some good performances. There have been some drives that have been better for him. And that's why he's earned a C grade from from yourself, Louis, from Ruby and and also Charlie as well, which I'm sure there's no Canadian bias in that at all. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on to both the Alfa Romeo drivers next, Owain, Valtteri Bottas and Guan Yuzhou, both getting a D grade. Bottas in the mid-season grades did get a C overall. He's fallen to a D. Um I think it's probably fair for both of them at the end of the day. The car has underperformed and at times the drivers have underperformed as well for that team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do feel that, they, you know, you know there's, a, there's a little bit of sort of almost car bias coming in and it makes them both look worse. But, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for the fact that, you know, they're, they're probably the one, one of the more evenly matched of the two, apart from LP drivers in, in the same team across the grid. But, you know, they're, they're, they're picking up the literally the, the dregs every single time of, of the points. And... I would say that there have been times this season where it's been possible to pick up better performances, but we've just not seen, you know, a, a D is, I think, in our scale, basically a bang average. And I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that, oh, it's, oh sorry, it's, it's below average, but it's, it's you know, that they are sitting there, like I say, just breaking into the points. And th- there have been times, you know, Australia was a, was a chance for them to get a much better result than they did. And they're sitting there with, on ninth and 11th, for example. That was, that was a, you know, a massive opportunity to seize a load of points. There's and there, and there's been occasions this year where you know you'd expect them to maybe be able to pull something out just just based on the sort of random nature of things. Now I don't know whether they've you know just end up on the on the bad side of that more often than not. But mm. I, I'll put it this way: I, I just feel like for 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 Joe, you know, you can kind of explain it uh, away by saying that he's a relatively new driver. You'd expect that. Fabri Bottas is. Honestly, well, he's, he's an ex-Mercedes driver. He should be doing better. He should be able to execute a race uh, in a way that is going to get them to the to the top of the standings. And it just doesn't look like he's done that. You know, yeah, Hungary as well. It's just been, it's just there's been just occasions where they they should have been able to to steal some points and they haven't managed it. And and I think that's why they both got a D at this point. Yeah, both the drivers and the uh, the team Alfa Romeo will be hoping for better next year. But the most notable thing that's happened to them has been is Bottas's uh, calendar, which was rather revealing, if you know what I'm saying with that one. Um, but yeah, we'll move on to another driver that got a D grade overall, Logan Sargent, Dev. Now, we've been waiting to get an American in Formula 1 for quite some time. I don't think he's done too badly overall, considering it's his, his rookie season. Did score points in his home race, <laughs> one of his home races anyway. How do you how do you rate Logan Sargent in 2023? I think it wasn't that bad, to be honest, you know, to get a solid three point, if at all, it's just one point at the end of 22 races. And I think the biggest highlight of the sergeant's career at this point in time is that he got his first ever Formula One points in front of the home crowd, Circuit of the Americas. And it was an interesting finish because I believe, unless I'm very much mistaken, Alex Albon was reprimanded with a five second grid penalty. But that still did not, uh, time penalty, but that still did not affect his timings. But uh, Logan Sargent actually bringing home one point for himself and for the team, and then finishing behind Albon was like a nine, uh, like a not too terrible P9 and P10 for the team. But I guess his, I really hope that for Sargent, his best days lie ahead of him. It's just like one season is too short a time frame to pass judgment on a growing career, and I hope his is a growing career. Of course, he's not proven himself to be, no. Uh, you know, anywhere close to being the star of qualifying, he ought to have done a lot better than the qualifying results that he got. Because I believe that, you know, it's a great position at the end of the day, which can actually help you boost your results on the main race day on Sunday. So there's so much of work in progress ahead for Logan Sargent, but I'm sure he's going to take the solitary point which he learned in 2023. Yeah, I think I think like um, like Owen said, you know, D is below average, needs improvement, but he gets his contract renewed for next year. He was the last driver to have his contract renewed for 2024, so he'll get another shot in the Williams next year, and it'll be interesting to see how he develops and grows there. Um, next up, we've got both Haas drivers, Kevin Magnussen getting a D overall, Nico Hulkenberg getting a C. Louis, I think 
part of this, I mean, Haas is such a difficult one to grade because they've had such incredible pace in qualifying at times, but in the races, they've been absolutely nowhere for the most part. However, you have to say that Magnussen in particular was disappointing because he is the more experienced driver in that team. This is Hulkenberg's first full-time drive since like, what, 2020, 2021 or something like that. So he's been out of a regular drive for a while and he's resoundingly beat his teammate. Yeah, I mean, start of the season, when we were seeing Nico Hulkenberg, like, keep popping up in Q3 and then Kevin Magnussen sort of drowning in a Q1, Q2. It was like, wow, like why has Nico Hulkenberg been out for so long? Why hasn't, you know, he been getting drives? We'd seen him in his one-off performances that is having a like, racing point Aston Martin and, and he was doing well and then he comes back into Formula 1, starts great, but unfortunately that kind of faded as the, as the year went on. Has didn't build a great car. They didn't really upgrade it too much. And I think that's unfortunately unwound a lot of Hulkenberg's early season success. Of course, he was horrifically robbed of a podium in Australia. We should not mention the FIA did a horrific job there. But I don't think that really would have made his season this grandiose. Oh my God, look at Nico Hulkenberg. He's so incredible. It's... Yeah, I think like you said it's difficult for Haas because they're just like so frustratingly bad at times. You're like sometimes you just like wish like come on, you you in twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, arguably you're like your toughest seasons, your first two seasons in Formula One, you did your best. And as you've become more established as a Formula One team, you've just got worse and worse and it just never seems to pick up any momentum. It just always seems to just go bad. And Unfortunately, I think Kevin Magnussen was the embodiment of that this season for Haas. He just expected a lot more, <laughs> just didn't get there. Unfortunately, he kind of was being out-qualified by Hulkenberg a lot, not really doing much in the race. He did manage to pick that up towards the end of the season, but it wasn't it wasn't enough. And unfortunately, Haas just, they were just there. I think that's the easiest way to sum, up, <laughs> sum them up. They were there. They did things. End of story. Yeah, they did things in qualifying, good things. They did bad things during the race and they are deservedly bottom of the constructors, something that I didn't think we'd be saying so soon after how bad 2021 was. You kind of got the feeling it's like, never again, we're not going there again. But they're back there. They scored points, but not enough. Enough to get ninth place ahead of Alpha Romeo in the end. Uh, next up, we're going to speak about George Russell. He got C grade overall, same as his mid-season grade as well. Um after beating Lewis Hamilton in the same car last season, you know, we thought, what's Russell going to do here? Is he going to kick on? Is he going to get better? Unfortunately, Owen, I, I mean, he's a difficult one to think about in some senses because you've got you've got Sir Lewis Hamilton as your teammate in the same car. That is the benchmark that you are being compared against. And unfortunately, this year, he's not stacked up. Do you think a C grade is right for him this year? I think it is. I think it's, you know, just to look at the numbers. I mean, a lot of the way we look at this is by where you are in in reference to your teammate i mean that's that's for for the vast majority of a lot of these guys that's how i rated them now i i sort of like if you take into account two things um you take into account that mercedes is just a second in the constructors with 409 points and then you take a look at the constructors championship uh, sorry the drivers championship and lewis hamilton is on 234 points um, and george russell was on 175 which means that of the you know of the top eight which is obviously you know that, that breaks down into the top four teams he's should be you know in theory he should be either third or fourth and he's currently sitting in a, with 175 points he's 60 points off which is about three points a race you know he's got significantly fewer podiums than lewis this year i think lewis is you know particularly in the mid-season bars as they sort of start to upgrade the car he's really kicked on whereas uh, whereas russell yeah i think you know hasn't maybe made that extra step he hasn't selected that extra gear once he's sort of seen that the, the car can do things if it's in the right window, then he's just that little bit distant because, you know, to the to the rest of the team, to the rest of the team, I think he's, he's ended up with a C in comparison to his contemporaries up there because he's 30 points off the off the baseline of about 200 points. So I think that's where he's being dragged down. Um, but hopefully he can carry on from this. But I think that's that's why he's ended up where he has, where he's sort of, he, he's, you know, just the other side of that median, bringing bringing the average down for the team. 
Yeah, it didn't end up costing Mercedes second in the Constructors' Championship, but it could have done. Mercedes just holding on by three points ahead of Ferrari. But Russell will go again next year. He'll hope to be more experienced in the car and more experienced in general in F1 to try and stack up against Lewis Hamilton. But as we've seen, Lewis Hamilton is rather good, so it's not a very easy thing to go up against him. Um Next up, we've got Sergio Perez, Dev, a man that, because of his not great performances at times, cost me, of course, in my bet with Tom Horrocks, as people would have seen on the Abu Dhabi review. I'm sure a lot of people got a good laugh out of that. But yeah, he's got a C grade overall. Another guy who's divided opinions to people, nobody giving him higher than a C, but there are some Ds and some F grades in there as well, which again, uh, I think Owain was actually a guy who put Sergio Perez again. But yeah, C overall for Sergio Perez, second in the Drivers' Championship, but... Coming up a bit like Russell to an extent, coming up against the guy who's very good at the, at the other side of the garage in Max Verstappen. Do you think the C grade is about right for Checo this season? I think any kind of a rating uh, provided it does not come from Dr. Helmut Marco on Sergio Perez is a good rating. But I think in a sense, if we were to understand the kind of season that Checo Perez had, then I think the last race of the season would be able to give an idea of just where he is in terms of his career, in terms of his skill set. So there's Verstappen on the top step of the podium at Abu Dhabi, then there's Charles, there's Russell, there's Perez on fourth. So he's sort of a P4, P3 kind of a driver the way he is at this point in time in his career. Yes, he stood second at the end of the day and, you know, he... But just look at the deficit to Max Verstappen, 290-point deficit. I mean, the team got 860 points, out of which I think 575 or a crazy number was scored by Max Verstappen. So, I mean, that's, that's just an appalling kind of a difference that he's had to arguably the greatest driver at the moment in Formula 1. Okay, not the greatest driver, but the best driver on the grid, the fastest driver on the grid. Call it the machine, call it the consistency of Verstappen. But yes, Perez is just not easy. We have to understand that as well. But for sure, he's he's made far too many mistakes this season for his own good. And then he would have liked, and uh, that's where he is. But for sure, it takes two to tango. But uh, Perez definitely had whatever contributions he could give to ensure that the Red Bull enjoyed that ascendancy at the end of the day. So definitely, you know, he is the team guy. And for sure, not a single drive of his this year would come closer to the Ministry of Defence drive equivalent at Abu Dhabi. Which where he helped his teammate much to Mercedes Chagrin uh, at Abu Dhabi. But Perez, such a fine guy, so much of skill, such such great experience, but the numbers, they don't sort of measure up. But uh, he can't even say that he didn't even have a good car, you know, at his disposal. He had the best car out there. But then I think it's just about uh, the man, the machine, and the consistency at the end of the Formula One. So Perez, there are two ways of looking at him this season. Either we blame him, and we have already. But yeah, he did what, what he could. And he's just exactly who he is at this point in time in Formula 1. I don't know if I make sense, but that's all I have to say. No, I think you're spot on. I think you're absolutely spot on there, Dev. I think, um, you know, it's a tough one at the end of the day. I mean, there's there's so many ways you can look at Perez. I mean, this is the first 1-2 in the Drivers' Championship that Red Bull have had in their history. So... In that sense, he's the best number two they've ever had. Obviously, obviously, there's a lot. There is a lot more nuance to that, but that is one way you could look at it. But yeah, it's an interesting one for Perez for sure. And I don't think that anybody has been the subject of as many rants or as many short videos we've put out online as what Perez has. And if you want to check those out, I mean, I did, I've done most of the short videos on our socials. You can head up to at Grid Talk UK. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. To, on Facebook, everywhere there's an at symbol, threads, a lot of them. You, know, you can find them on there and you can find them on our YouTube channel as well. And if you're one of the 72% of people who are watching this who aren't subscribed to the channel, please consider us helping us out with a like and a subscribe on there. Most of the episodes are recorded live. This is not one of them. This is a pre-record. But when the season starts up again for 2024, we'll be going out live after each race. But yeah, so let's move on to Alpine next, Louis. And both Alpine drivers, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly, got a C grade overall. A bit like Alfa Romeo getting a D grade overall. I think a C grade is kind of what you would grade Alpine as a whole this season, you know? I mean, if you've been harsh, you might say a D because they were aiming higher. But given the pace of the car, they ended up pretty much where they wanted to. There were a few... There were a few... um a few bright sparks like the podiums for Gasly in the sprints and stuff like that. But overall, a very average season for both the French drivers this season. I mean, I think 
if we take the the old Top Gear saying, I think it would sum up Alpine perfectly: ambitious but rubbish. They really tried this year, and they were they were coming into the season saying, "We've got a great car, we're going to do great," and ultimately they didn't. They were they were pretty bang average most of the season, and you know they did have some bright sparks. They Gasly got a podium in a race this year. Ocon, of course, got his podium in Monaco, which will be probably his crowning achievement of his, and maybe not quite, his win in Hungary might top it, but a podium in Monaco, I think, is probably still incredibly significant for Esteban Ocon. But it has been a season of internal political mess, Alpine. Unfortunately, that then just spewed onto the racing track with a downturn in performance, reliability, penalties, a stocking up for, for Ocon. And it, yeah, it just really, really is difficult. But I think a C is fair. I think for all the faults of the team that we have seen this year, I think we've seen two fairly resilient drivers really trying to give it their all. They may not have always been happy with each other. Australia springs to mind, then Japan springs to mind, and then Vegas springs to mind like, immediately. So it's yeah, it's not been the it's not been a good season for Alpine, but as I was saying. I think it's been two resilient seasons from Gasly and Ocon. I think they're two drivers who are pushing each other. And I think as long as they don't hit each other, <laughs> get in each other's way, I think they can only be good for the team for Alpine. It's kind of what they need right now. Two drivers that are going to push each other, trying to get better results, trying to build a better car because they keep coming back every season. Like, we're going to be great. We're going to be great. And they're not. And... At the moment, I think it's these two drivers can push them forward. And I think a C grade is is fair. It's, it's average. They're, the lows of the season have definitely been equaled out by the highs. And I think a C is very fair for both Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon. Yeah, ambish, not quite ambitious, but rubbish in my opinion. But ambitious, but average. I think that's the that's the way to kind of look at them. And like you said, yeah, there was there was quite a few flashpoints for them in terms of the two drivers. But given how he was speaking about them in the in the season preview, like before the season actually started, I think we were probably expecting some more <laughs> some more animosity there, given their history. So I think considering they've actually been quite well behaved, but by F one standards. Not so much. Next, we're going to speak about the two Alpha Tauri drivers that finished the season. Obviously, Alpha Tauri having four drivers in total this year. But we're going to speak about Daniel Ricardo and Yuki Tsunoda. Ricardo getting a C grade, Yuki Tsunoda getting a B grade. And I think, I mean, Yuki Tsunoda getting a B grade overall is genuinely impressive. And I think he deserves it, to be honest. I. I gave him a C overall, but I can see why people are giving him a B. He is a massively improved driver and showing some of the potential that we knew that he had when he first joined F1. Yeah, he's putting some great performances. Um, that's the thing. That uh, you know, he's he's re- he's actually stood out. You know, a few of the the rookie mistakes, the uh, the schoolboy errors have seemed to have been taken away. And what you have left is you know a, a fairly decent driver. You know, they're, they're sort of the the flip side, I would say, to Alfa Romeo in that. Funnily enough, they've you know they they may have sort of been quite low down in that in that bottom four, fighting for you know every point they can get in a really close fought battle. And uh, and I think what they've done is they've actually like you know what he's done specifically is is managed to do what they what Alfa Romeo couldn't, which is pick up a you know pick up points here and there relatively consistently across the state uh, across the season and in the sprints as well, and done a fairly decent job. You know I think. You know, by comparison, obviously Daniel Ricciardo not in for the full season. I think he's, he, funnily enough, he's been played by maybe some of the schoolboy errors. Of, you know, particularly, I, I would like to point out that it's one of those things. I always thought it was the first thing you got taught in when you started driving a racing car, which is when you go into a when you're heading into a barrier, take your hands off the wheel because it will snap on you and like that. And you know, I know drivers do and don't. Maybe have got in the bad habit of of still holding the wheel as they go into a barrier. But we can see what happens when that doesn't happen. So he was, you know, participated in eight races weekends and got an average of 0.75 points per race per race compared to Sonoda's 0.77 or whatever you know I think I think I, I think I kind of think that Ricardo's been helped a, a little bit there by by the fact that he was only in for a few races and and by comparison Sonoda's done such a good job 
to just he, he's actually been well honestly he's been the one stable thing about the team and I think that, that kind of shows in the driver rating particularly obviously Lawson's done an astounding job by comparison but that's a completely different kettle of fish but yeah I think that's that's why they're sort of they've ended up where they are in in the the, the, the sort of full-time drivers have ended up right where they are Yes, another, of course, being the only AlphaTauri driver to take part in the whole season. Ricardo, by comparison, having a relatively small data set. So I think that's why there's such variation there. People graded him all the way from B-plus down to kind of a D-grade. So it, it depends on how you see what he did. But yeah, I do agree with you that I mean, maybe it's just a bit of rustiness. It was in a practice session. But yeah, he could have, he could have potentially prevented the injury that ended up keep him out for six races. But then again, we wouldn't have seen Liam Lawson. And obviously, I don't think, you know, wouldn't have been thinking about that at the time, but that was something that was very good for his career and we'll get on to Lawson very soon. Sonoda, much improved. Ferrari, much improved as well. Both of their drivers, uh, we gave a C grade in our mid-season uh, driver grades, both Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, though, going up to a B overall. And, Dev, like I mentioned earlier on, with their battle with Mercedes, only just missing out on second in the constructors. And Charles Leclerc, in qualifying in particular, has been a real positive for Ferrari this year. Yes, absolutely. You know, inarguably, unarguably, rather, uh, the faster the two Ferrari drivers and uh, the golden boy of the Scuderia, the man who they feel is going to bring glory to Ferrari. And I hope that it actually does pan out for them one day sooner than any later. Charles... Fantastic to see him finish on the podium towards the end of the season. The first half of the season was really going for him. And the debacle at Monaco continued, you know, he still has to get his maiden podium at his home. The track at his own Grand Prix. But Charles sort of fought back for the Scuderia family. And now with talks being very certain that, you know, he's going to have the longest stint at Scuderia than his teammate Carlos, I wouldn't be at all surprised. And also, interestingly, Charles Leclerc finishing on the exact same number of points as the titan of the sport, Fernando Alonso, 206. And in the process, beating his teammate by six crucial points. You know, he would he would any any day take the P5 on the driver's standings, especially given the fact that, as I said, nothing was going his way, truth be told, in the first half of the season. But then picking up six podiums at the end of the day and in a season where he failed to pick up a win. And of course, the greatest moment for him in this year, that spectacular overtake at Vegas on Perez, when it wasn't really expected. But yeah, I mean, he was fast all weekend. He took pole. But I didn't really think that, you know, he would have passed uh, Perez. So when he did, he kind of said so many hearts would have stopped beating once again of the Tifosi. But again, just if he would have had that kind of support from Carlos, who was brilliant in the fact that he became the only driver this year the only non-Red Bull driver to win a Formula 1 Grand Prix. If Charles would have had that kind of support from Carlos in the closing stages of the season, there was there's no question that Scuderia would have been beating the shit out of Mercedes, but that's what it is. And then you take the positives and then you focus on what lies ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Ferrari just missing out on second, the constructors. But you are right to point out they were the only, only team other than Red Bull to win a Grand Prix this year. Obviously, there was another team that won a race this year, but it was not a Grand Prix. So... Ferrari stopping, yeah, of course. Ferrari, which I'm very happy about, of course. But um, <laughs> but yeah, Ferrari definitely heading into 2024 on a high and hoping to be closer to challenging yes. Red Bull next year. I gave a little mention to Liam Lawson just before Louis. He got a B grade for his cameo appearance, shall we call it cameo? I mean, he had five races, he had quite a few, but definitely impressed. I think you'll be so good to not be on the grid next year, but this will be invaluable experience. And you think, given how good he was against Yuki Sonoda, another guy who got a B grade overall from us, that at some point he's going to be back on the F1 grid. Well, you'd hope so, but this is the Red Bull team and their dealings with juniors is pretty poor. Because, <laughs> I mean... We are giving a B grade to, you know, like if you take this completely out of context and you look basically just at the results, we're giving a B grade to someone who got two points in five races. But I think it says so much about Liam Lawson and what he managed to achieve in those five races that we gave him a B grade. I, I think despite only getting one point finish because he came in on Saturday to take over the AlphaTauri drive after Ricardo's injury. And Quali wasn't good, but then he just 
he had a good race. He was P13. He stabilised the ship. We were looking at this mess of Alpha Tauri. You know, they just got rid of Nick De Vries. Ricardo come in. He'd done well, but now he's out. So much carnage and so much chaos. And in comes Liam Lawson. And he just comes in, sits just beautifully within the car. He gets to grips with it very quickly. He's just able to just look comfortable and do a great job. And that is why we've given him the beat. He has come in at such short notice, taking on tracks he's never raced in in a Formula 1 car. And not to mention getting his points in Singapore, which was is the toughest race on the F1 calendar. Not only that, out-qualifying... Did he out-qualify? He did out-qualify Max Verstappen in that race. Then he storms through, gets points, and it was a marvellous drive. And I think it says so much about a driver's character if they are able to do that with very little preparation, coming to a new track that is one of the most difficult events on the calendar and just completely convincing everyone that's like, he must be in that seat. He must be in this sport. The fact that we are having conversations after five races, like why hasn't this guy got a permanent seat in Formula One for next season speaks volumes about what he did. And while I think it might just about be the best decision to have Ricardo in Sonoda, I didn't think it was possibly the optimal choice. I think it's an okay choice for AlphaTauri to keep the same lineup for next season. I would have been very surprised if Liam... Lawson's name wasn't coming up in conversations to put him in the AlphaTauri for next season. And I do hope he does get his spot in Formula 1 soon. I don't think Daniel's going to be here for a particularly long time. Regardless of how well he does next year, I don't see him lasting, or Yuki for that matter. So I think he definitely has to be that driver who is just under... He's kind of just underneath. He like All it takes is... Ricardo to go, Yuki to go, and I think he's straight in that seat. I think, I think. Sorry if I may just jump in here. I think Daniel should really head to Hollywood. I'm not joking, really. He's got that, you know, that rap singer persona. He's popular in America. His home is in California, so definitely, I think. You know, I only support your point. You should go after some time and then make make space for other people. Not that Ricardo is not a great driver. He's a fantastic driver. You know, the master of late breaking, whatever. It, it's definitely a dilemma for Alfatari to get. The drive because if there was, I mean, it sounds obvious, I know, but if there was three cars, they would put all of them in there. That all three of their drivers they ended up with the end of the season with both, all, all three of them can make a very, very good case to be in F1 next year. And I think Liam Lawson will be counting himself unlucky uh, to not be there. And I'm sure he'll be back. I'm sure he'll be back. He should, he really should be. Um, obviously, if something happens to the second Red Bull seat or if something happens to either of the guys in the Alpha Tower, he's straight back. He's straight back in there 100%. Um, so yeah, from one of the most inexperienced drivers this year to one of the most experienced, Sir Lewis Hamilton getting a B grade for us overall. Owain, like we mentioned before, he got third in the driver's standings. He almost got second. He was battling with Sergio Perez for that. Despite not getting a win this year, which I'm sure not be very happy to, to realise about, he has been very consistent. He has got the most out of that car after... 2022, where he was using kind of funky setups and experimental setups just to try and get the best out of the car. This year, he's absolutely been on it. And like we said, he has really put George Russell in his place, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and that's, I think you said he's in third in the Drivers' Championship. I I also want to point out the two races that he either, that he wasn't classified in. One was due to driver error and the other one was due to, I think, the team obviously running the car a bit too low. But he should have more points. He, sh- he should have far more points. You know, obviously, who's to say what would happen in Qatar? But, you know, he, he, he was going to finish second in... He's going to finish second in, in America, and he should be even closer to Paris than he was. So he could have bring, brought that down to the last race. I think he's done an absolutely astounding job. You know, he's he's not... He's got on the podium a lot. He's not one... And, and he's generally been... I don't think, actually... In the races he's finished, I don't think he's fin- he's never finished outside the top ten, which is surprising to say because in the, some of the last few race, last couple of races, he had awful qualifying uh, qualifying performances and still ended up, as I say, you know, every every time he's finished a race, he's he's picked up points, which is astounding over a twenty two race season, you know, and it, and and as I said, it could, it could be more. I think it's I think that says all I really need to, and that's it's honestly the mark of the champion of a champion, you know, that's that's the sort of thing that you learn after doing this. You know, winning a championship seven times over 
was it 14 15 16 years i want to say i think that's that that's the kind of performance you get that even a relatively bad year can still pull out an absolute masterful performance that bested even ferrari who won a race and had you know and, and looked to push red bull at times yeah it's it's a remarkable performance and i think that's why he's got the grade he has arguably he should have higher i would say but i think yeah it's just a couple you know the couple of little i guess rookie mistakes that have crept in you know p- particularly qatar have sort of just dragged him down a little bit there but credit to him he owned up and said you know that was my fault and i, I you know I, I think that's that's yeah the mark of how much experience he has and and sort of why he's in the position he's in yeah his uh, his reaction to obviously disappointment in Qatar was very mature unlike a certain driver whose reaction was not very mature to disappointments i think we know who we're talking about there who was the teammate of the next driver we're talking about fernando alonso um he has been downgraded from an a in the mid-season grades down to a b overall um I think that's kind of reflective of Aston Martin's form as well, Dev. There have been a few mistakes in there this season for the Spanish Samurai, but at the end of the day, he has wiped the floor of his teammate. He has dragged that car up to be the only challenger to Red Bull at the start of the season. He has had some standout performances in there, like you would expect from Alonso. And we always mention his age. He's 42 years old and he's still out there doing that, still one of the quickest guys on the grid. So how do you rate Alonso this season? Extremely highly. For me, he's got an A+. For me personally, I'm not at all contesting the views of the others who gave him. But, I mean, what else can he do? For sure, he should have been on the top step of the podium on more occasions than he uh, he was. And he didn't even win a single Formula 1 Grand Prix this year. But eight podiums, one fastest lap. People on the standings. Um, next best, in that sense, only to Sir Lewis Hamilton. Not an awful performance by the oldest man on the sport. And, uh, I mean, as you guys rightly said about Lance Stroll, who wasn't even a patch on Fernando Alonso, the man from Astorias. Alonso, I mean, he can't really put a foot wrong. And even if he made some errors towards the closer stages, towards the closing stages, I beg your pardon, of the season. And, you know, he didn't really have great results on circuits where, you know, I mean, the car didn't really have great cornering speed. But I think Alonso would definitely end, would feel very happy with his performances. And Aston Martin couldn't really get a better bargain than Fernando Alonso. He, he he definitely is the man who's leading the team in the right direction. And if there is one driver who can actually stun the rest of the grid and perhaps win, uh, win more races than both Mercedes drivers put together on a good day, then it's then it's Fernando Alonso. I interestingly, I was reading a statistic, and I think towards the end of the next season, he would have against his name 400 Formula One Grand Prix starts. He's sitting on 377, if I'm, unless I'm very much mistaken right now. So I think that's quite a number if it is 400, and I hope he gets there. The only man would end up doing so. But Alonso should be very happy. The first five races of this season, P3, 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 and P3. So, I mean, that was solid. That was rollicking, and that was fireworks from Fernando Alonso. But if you actually look in hindsight, still... His last Formula 1 victory was a decade back in the day when there was nobody like uh, Yuki Tsunoda or George Russell or Carlos Sainz or Charles on the grid. So, I mean, it's just a case of when can he do it? Can he do it? For sure, there's never a doubt about it. But will he do it next year? Which could actually be, I don't know, his final year in Formula 1. <laughs> he has this talent of bringing up so many surprises. And as you guys are rightly saying, that yeah, we, we need the Lime Lawson's of the world to you know have their seat, have their chance. Because the sport is might be driven by all age groups, but it is determined. Its future is determined by the alacrity of youth. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said, said there, Dev. I mean, yeah, Alonso proven again that he's a fantastic driver this year. And um, the grades have varied for him massively. You giving him an A plus, obviously. There's some A's in there. There's some B's. Surprisingly, there's some C's in there. And I have to, I have to call out our wonderful Ruby Price on this one. She's given Alonso a C grade. Which Who's giving him a C, sorry? Ruby Ruby gave him a C grade, as did Carl as well, and Aaron. But interestingly, Ruby gave Alonso the same grade that she gave to Lance Stroll, which was a C for both, which 
It's I don't know. Word, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> we, all, we all have opinions here on the Grid Talk podcast, but I cannot explain that one. That's one for Ruby to essentially talk about at some point. I mean, I'm the guy who had to be the forfeit this year. I feel like she needs to do another one after that. But um, any- <laughs> We can't give her too much. Too, too much we can't insult her too much. She's not here to defend herself, in fairness. I'm well, sure there is a reason. Well, she did. Ex- she did explain it to me, but I to tell you, I think the TLDR of it is that she she's not a fan of Alonso for 2007. I don't. I don't think she's forgiven him yet for his antics at McLaren against uh, against. Uh, she's, she's docked him 38. Well, she's docked him 38 points or whatever, <laughs> one one per second or whatever that he was stationary. <laughs> Fifteen years back, Alonso was a 27 year old young man. So. I mean, I know. I mean, each to their own, and I have absolutely nothing against Ruby. She, uh, she's a gem, but yeah, I mean, Alonso is a really. He's like his name. If somebody but, but, is but, is pulling eight podiums at that age. I can't see why he's not. Let's be honest. The guy is a born winner, and he's done. He, he he's done. You know, Michael Schumacher and Ayrton Senna did exactly the same sort of thing. You know, let's not let's not oh, yeah. pretend that there that, that any champion is above it. Yeah, he he's one of these, and you know, the greatest respect to him. I think if the championship was on the line again for him, and he and he could do something like that pit stop antics or something like that to win it, he'd do it again because he's a born winner. Some people say it's going over the line, but it's up to the officials to properly punish him if he does something like that. But yeah, I mean, speaking of longevity, one of the guys that we're going to talk about next i don't even think he was born when fernando alonso started his career we're going to talk about both mclaren drivers next oscar piastri and lando norris both getting an a grade from us piastri upgrading from a b in mid-season to an a partly i think because of his sprint winning the guy the pace that he's been showing i mean the of course that mclaren when it's hooked up is the second best car on the grid this season no doubt about that whatsoever but both drivers this season louis i know i know i'm a mclaren fan but both of the drivers this season seriously impressed me and it's really making me feel optimistic for next year yeah i mean i could i could sit here all day and praise both drivers what they've done this season i mean it was the ropiest of rope starts for for McLaren this year like when it was like back of the grid of Bahrain I was the head of the has going no this is good and the, the race came was like oh no it's even worse it was just like it just got really bad but something just switched in McLaren their drive to make that car better and they just did it and it was so good and both drivers took full advantage sometimes when we see a car you know, get better. It's usually one driver that takes to it. I think Mercedes is a great show of that this season. It was the car got better as the season went on, but only really Lewis, you we could see, was getting a lot more out of the car than Russell was. But this McLaren, both drivers were just absolutely getting the most out of it, getting some incredible points and performances and well, Norris was great, as always, from race one, just kept going with that car, kept resiliating, being very resilient. I think we have to give the biggest plaudits to, to Oscar Piastri. I don't think at one point during this season, this is his rookie, he has ever looked out of place. We haven't seen the rookie errors. We haven't seen the, well, we have to give him time. I don't think anyone has actually said this year, so, well, we have to give Oscar a bit of time. He still needs to adjust. He has come into that car. He has been incredible. He's been on it. He's comfortable, wheel-to-wheel racing. He knows what to do when he's defending or when he's attacking. He always doesn't seem to get intimidated by any better drivers, if it's a Mercedes or a Ferrari or Fernando Alonso behind him or in front of him. It doesn't seem to matter. And then on the radio, he always seems so calm. Right, you got to do this. Oh, well, okay, he'll do it. It's just incredible. And I cannot praise Oscar Piastri enough for what he's done this season. And I cannot wait for what he's going to do in future seasons because if he keeps going he is going to be Australia's next world champion there is no doubt about it give him the car he will do it and will he you know maybe beat Norris to his first proper win I I unfortunately think he might 
Well, I mean, technically, he already has. He already has a win, just not a Grand Prix win. But yeah, it's Grand one Prix win, it? yeah. I know, all these, all these technicalities and asterisks. It used to be simpler back in my day and stuff like that. But yeah, but yeah, absolutely fantastic this year from both McLaren drivers to come back from the doldrums at the start of the back markers, basically. They were where Haas and like Alfa Romeo and teams like that ended up this season. That's where they were at the start of this season. It feels like a lifetime ago. Um, partly because I just wanted to erase it from my memory. But yeah, I mean, unbelievable from the only, the only criticism that I, well, no, it's not even a criticism. The only thing I point out about Piastri is I think the difference between him and Norris right now is that Norris is much better on his tyres and all, you know, throughout the course of a Grand Prix. But that's just experience. That's purely just experience. And like you said, Louis, I think you summed it up perfectly in that at no point this season Piastri looks like a rookie. At no point have you thought, God, that's, a, that's an off weekend. Oh, he should have done better there. Oh, why has he done that? He's, he's, he's never looked out of place. He has always looked like he belongs on that grid, and I'm very excited to see his future, as I am with Norris as well, of course. And another guy that I'm interested to see where he ends up in the future, where he goes, is Alex Albon away. Another guy that we've rated an A overall. You gave him an A+, plus, as a few dry, a few guys have as well on the uh, on the grades. I think it's been fantastic in that Williams, and he's almost single-handedly got them seventh place in the Constructors' Championship. Uh, Sergeant with just the odd point to his name as teammate. Um how I mean, how good has Albon been this year? And I, I think it's all it, with these kind of performances. You think it's only a matter of time before he potentially goes to a bigger team. It's not almost single-handedly. It is single-handedly. It's you know you you, t- you take away you take away that one point that Sergeant has got, and 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 Williams still gets seventh in the constructors. Albon has. I mean, he's had a hell of a career at this point. He's you know he's already been through through the wars, and he's you know still quite young. You know he's obviously started out. I think he's what did he start out on Toro Rosso? And then obviously gone up to the race seat, and then got demoted from the race seat. And you know did did a season in DTM in the GT3 cars when they moved over to that. Came back, you know he's he's really had a trial by fire. And I think I think to be honest, all of that experience has come to to make him an astounding driver. And I don't know why we ever doubted him. You know I think he got unfortunately got burned by the searing heat of the limelight of being right next to Max Verstappen. But beyond that, you look at it and you go. Well, the guys had to deal with the Toro Rosso, then deal with a Max Verstappen-designed Red Bull, or sorry, a Red Bull designed for Max Verstappen, because it would have been, and we all know that. And then, you know, he's had to go away, go and find himself, you know, really deal with the sort of troubles of that, you know, and and, and get over the fact that he's like, you know, he's essentially just been cast aside by the Red Bull machine, and then find his way back to to Formula One. And I think maybe his experience in a, in a twitchy car that's maybe not not got so much downforce but more is 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 maybe a little bit difficult to drive at times has helped him when he's gone to williams and he's pulled out some absolute masterful performances i'd be happy putting him as the most consistent driver on the grid by far you know the, apart from the sort of lewis hamilton and things like that but you, you've got to remember the car's significantly worse and it's got his strengths but i think they've maximized it and like i don't know how it you know the maths obviously adds up but i don't know how he's managed to get 27 points out of it you know he's he's never finished higher than seventh but he's finished seventh twice you know got a few positions and and got a seventh in a sprint but beyond that he's you know he's managed to extract 27 points out of the season which is ridiculous to me and Honestly, and and like I say, he has single-handedly put them in seventh. Yeah, in seventh place in the constructors. I I don't know what more he could have done. That's why I've given him an A plus. I I I genuinely think he has had the best season he's ever had, and and I'm so excited to see what he does. You know, hopefully with a resurgent with a resurgent Williams and the lack of comparison to, and you know, an enigma of of a, of a driver. I can only imagine what he's going to go and do in the future, given a better cut. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And like, like you rightfully say, it's a hell of a comeback story for him as well. You know, he was uh, he was out of Formula One for a little bit because he got beat by Max Verstappen in the same car as Max Verstappen does a lot to his teammates. Did the same thing to Gasly. Did doing the same thing to Perez right now as well. There's no disrespect in that in a sense, but yeah, for Albon to track the performances out of the Williams, which. With the greatest respect to that, Williams, it's not a particularly consistent car. It's very good around high-speed tracks, but for the most part, they're probably running it on an absolute knife edge relatively with a setup just to get it as far up the grid and keep it there. And he kept it there. He's done, he's done brilliantly. He absolutely deserved his A grade. 
And the only guy that we've got ahead of him, of course, is the guy we just mentioned there, his former teammate, Max Verstappen, Dev. Just an unbelievable record-breaking season. Of course, people will say, oh, it's a it's a car designed by Red Bull just for him. Of course it is. It's the fastest car on the grid. But right now, the level of dominance that he has shown in this in this championship this year has been unparalleled. 19 wins, I think he ended up with, something like that. Um, uh, 22 races, you know, he would have won the Constructors' Championship comfortably by himself. If Red Bull just ran one car, they still would have won it. And that, and that for me, shows how good he is. And, of course, he's the only guy on the grid to get an A-plus from us overall. I think it's fully deserved. I think in lighter vein, Formula 1 sort of in 2023 became the Max Verstappen Grand Prix season. And, I mean, it was he was just brilliant. He was incredible. The adjectives can run amok. And they deserve to because he literally left little to the imagination. The only the only place where he would like to improve, if at all there's something left for it, would be the Singapore Grand Prix uh, because he didn't do too well in qualifying and he found himself completely outclassed by Ferrari there. But uh, speaking of outclassing, I mean, it was the classiest of seasons. And Max Verstappen, so perennially Formula 1 bad boy. And I don't at all blame the Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton fans because... Hamilton was robbed of a deserving eighth title. But the same worst happened who we subjected to not such good grades and nice, not such nice comments two years back. Today has the respect of so many other people. I'm not saying that the world has become orange because Max Verstappen is in it. But definitely, I mean, he left little to the imagination. He was merciless. He was ruthless. He was consistent. And I think consistency is definitely one of the lesser appreciated virtues in Formula 1 because as you rightly said yourself, George, that many times we think that it's the car and of course Mr. Adrian Newey and his disciples at Red Bull, they have to be congratulated. They can't be thanked enough, truth be told. Honda can't be thanked enough, truth be told. Verstappen realizes. But 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 you would you would note that pretty much in every race, after winning the race over the team radio, how thankful he was for his team. And I think that's the mark of a true champion. You know, he's not full of himself. This is what the feeling I got. And he's also he's also often been misjudged. But I think the 2023 Max Verstappen was not just a boy coming onto his own. It was like, uh, you know, the transition of a young man being, you know, the, the conqueror of sorts. And I mean, Lewis Verstappen, oh, sorry, yeah, Lewis Hamilton, you know, at the end of the day, you know, offering some some kind words to Max was actually further confirmation of Max Verstappen's glowing legend. It's a glowing legend. It's a glowing legend. And Kristen Honor has pulled all the right tricks in the trade. And But here's a question. And here's a question to everybody who follows Formula 1, whether he commentates on it, whether he or she writes about it. If Verstappen is allowed to dominate the way he already is, then what is left of the sport? Of course, we have the Piastri's and the and the Lawson's of the world who are doing their their bit, who are trying to put out something there for others to follow. But otherwise, Formula One, I really fear, will become another mundane story. No matter how many drive to survive you have in the world, you'll have more OTT platforms delivering you more and possibly even more exciting and chanting documentaries or real life works of art from the world of Grand Prix racing. But Max Verstappen also has to be stopped. And I think it will be far more interesting than what it already is when Verstappen can actually be tackled properly by Leclerc and Russell, for instance. George, think about it. And if he's actually made to work doubly hard. So I would like to go back to some examples from Spielberg, the home of Red Bull, in the past. So 2019 race, when you when, when Leclerc came so close to winning it, but then ultimately it was Max Verstappen's dominance at the end of the day that saved the day for Red Bull. So we need such battles day in, day out, every week. We have to push Max Verstappen. Only then, so there are there are two sides to it. So Verstappen will, will not only get schooled, and I think it will be fun for Formula 1, but at the same time we'll actually get to see Verstappen, how he responds when he's tackled like that. But honestly, the way he conquered qualifying on most Saturdays, and then to come back, few hours later, sit in the same car, buckle up, take to the wheels of that merciless beast called the RB19, and then just smash the opponents. So he was, you know, smash Stappen this year for me. 
but it'll be Formula One would be a, a more interesting and involved sport when other teams really pulled up their acts. Otherwise, we're just going to see after the Lewis and Mercedes era with much due respect, the Red Bull and the Verstappen era with much due respect, and then who else? Time for McLaren to really stand up. And they have been improving. We have seen the legend of the last lap, Lando. You know, it's been three years since he pulled out that brilliant stuff. I think he overtook Perez at Austria. And here, here's, here's Norris. He's really coming into his own. And then that brilliant, breathtaking 2021 Russian Grand Prix qualifying drive. I think he took pole. He started from pole. And then the wrong choice of tyres. And then you saw Hamilton outclassing him. But we need the Astries and Lando Norris's of the world to step up. We need more wins from Charles and Carlos. Carlos also. You know, it's it's just a very convenient narrative to to win one race and then just to be seen as ladies' man and chilly and whatever. But yeah, I mean, he's su- he's such 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 a brilliant driver. And uh, yeah, we need we need the sport, the rest of the drivers to challenge Max Verstappen. Who knows? Maybe the outcome could be that Verstappen uh, would be defeated easily, or maybe Verstappen will just come out with a, with an even bigger roar. And then you know, I don't know. I just hope twenty twenty four. Some sort of a revolution. Very well put again, Dev. You know, it's so good to have you back on the show um, for, you know, for making speeches like that, you know. And I, I think you're right. I think it, it would be good for Formula One to have it to be more competitive next year, of course, at the top. Um, but it's a, it's a discussion for another day. But we've seen the, we've seen these dominant streaks and, you know, Michael Schumacher, after 2004, people would have been like, you know, he's just going to win forever with Ferrari. And that ended when Alonso came along. And we were saying the exact same things when Hamilton was winning his championships on this show. Um, and, you know, and 2021 ended that. And, you know, the, these streaks do end. But currently right now, Max Verstappen's on the third longest winning streak ever in Formula 1 and it's still going and it's going to take something special next year from the likes of Ferrari or Mercedes or McLaren or whoever to be able to try and stop that because right now the combination of him, that Red Bull in that team it's, it's, it's just unbeatable and nothing is close and like you said, smash that and he has destroyed the competition this season, like it's not even close it's not even close see, see, it's exactly what happens to you on race day when you don't pull up your act, that's what he's done and you know we can we can go on and on about why he's not a deserving winner. He'll always have his share of critics, but again, ten consecutive race wins, and then to put Red Bull back to that era of dominance, which we thought would never come back again once Sebastian Vettel left. I think he's done incredibly, incredibly well. But yeah, I'll stick to what I say. It'll be a boring sport again if if Verstappen is allowed to take away every single you know. Yeah, we want we want competitive business at the end of the day. Um... But yeah, we were absolutely unanimous in giving him an A+. Everybody gave him an A+, on our grades. The only driver to get anywhere near that. Um, I'm fully deserving of being there. But yeah, that is the entire grid. That is all 21 drivers that competed in the second half of the 2023 season graded. Yeah, and so I want to give a thank you to my panellists for joining us today. Dev, I mentioned that you are the man behind the Cricket Chronicle. I know you're man who's invested in a lot of different journalistic publications you know feel feel free shout them out what what work do you want people to see well i mean if people still like reading then they can read some of my work on red point it's a small publication small but growing publication based out of new delhi with the presence in mumbai and we have a small podcast as well and thank you for having me back here george and also big thanks to jared patrich for believing in me for making me part of cricket chronicle it's absolutely thrilling Great to have you back, Devin. Yes, Jared, of course, the founder of the this, this podcast, this fun chronicle, the lot really. Louis, I maybe I gave a mention to some of our socials before. Do you want to uh, remind the listeners where where else you can find Grid Talk? Absolutely, anywhere that you want to find us, you can find us, and that's the beauty of social media, I guess. Yeah, if you want to find us on on X, on Threads, on Instagram, on Facebook, or even on YouTube, is at Grid Talk UK. We've made it very simple for you to find us. It's the same username for every platform. Just go search for it. You'll find us. And yeah, give us a follow and also subscribe with the notification bell on, which is important for especially when we go live, because you'll know as soon as we go live and you can get in and leave us live comments, however nice or not nice you want to be. But please be nice, though. It's better when you're nice. Please be nice. Please be nice. <laughs> but if you really want to be kind, you can head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. That would be a great way to show us that you do appreciate the show. I really enjoyed recording this with you guys. 
And yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot more than just these review shows. We've also got race reviews, qualifying reviews, sprint reviews, qualifying analysis. We've got a lot. And away as well, we have a sister show, Formula Talk, that covers other series as well. Yeah. So if you, we talked a lot about the rookies in this, uh, in this uh, sort of uh, driver rating. And if you want to hear about the new rookies that we'll have, we won't have them next year, unfortunately. But they will be kicking about, and they will be making their way in soon. There's a lot of, there's a lot of drivers in in F2 and F3 that you can hear about on Formula Talk, which is available everywhere that you can get Grid Talk. You can also get Formula Talk. Yes, and the wonderful Sophia Richmond hosts that show. I've been uh, been the guest on there a few times recently as well to review Macau, which was unbelievably insane. That was my first time watching Macau live. That was something special. And to also review the Formula, Formula 2 season as well. So yeah, quite a lot going on there too. Yeah, and if you want to give us, if you want to support the show financially, you can head over to Patreon as well, where you can get help get us better mics, lights and recording equipment. And also, yeah, we'll be back next week with another show. I believe we're going to be we're going to be reviewing a classic race. A few of our panelists are going to watch the same race and just go over it. Which which race that's going to be, you're going to have to tune in to find out. That'll be that'll be Wednesday the let me just look at my calendar. That'll be live on Wednesday the 20th, so a week after this show goes on the on the audio and video platforms. But yes, I believe this will be the last time I'm on the show. Uh, before Christmas so I want to wish everybody all of our listeners through this year a very Merry Christmas and a very nice holiday period this this year however you're spending it with friends or family or whatever hope you have a great time and I will personally see you in, in the new year and yeah thanks for joining us lads really do appreciate it as always no worries no problem thanks for having me here again pleasure to speak to you guys again you guys are rock stars thank you Bye-bye. you too you too Dev you too and yes we'll be back like I said a week today to go over a classic race Thank you very much for listening and watching, and goodbye.